Hey, how's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode 88 of X-Lapsed. And uh, stop me if you heard this one before, but this might just be the shortest episode of this program yet, because we are talking about X-Men Volume 5, um, the book that uh, the last couple of times we read it and discussed it here um, were a pair of times that I thought that maybe it was time to, I don't know, put this show to bed, because... <laughs> I really didn't care for those issues, and the issue we're going to discuss today is more of the same. Um, it feels very fillery. It's a tie-in. It's a sort of a weak or tenuous tie-in with Empire. We already went through the four-issue Empire miniseries. Now uh, we have the aftershocks here, or the side shocks, I guess, because the two stories have absolutely nothing to do with one another. But we will do as best we can. Uh, this is X-Men Volume 5, Number 10. Had a September 2020 cover date. The story is called Fire. It's written by Jonathan Hickman, with art by Lionel Francis Yu. Colors, Sonny Go. Letters, VCs Clayton Cowles. Designs, Tom Muller. Edits, Bisa white Sabolsky. Thankfully, this only had a $3.99 cover price. And just like so many of the books we've talked about of late, this one had a release date of July 29th of 2020. Now we open, and we open with Vulcan. Uh, Vulcan, he's fallen through the sky, and I believe we've seen this imagery before. And I think, or at least I want to say, it was attributed to his dying after or during the War of Kings, maybe? I don't know. I'm kind of at a disadvantage here because I definitely didn't read none of that. Anyway, he's fallen, fallen, fallen. Then he's snagged by a tentacle. And then by another, and then he's pulled into this, like, gross mouth that's uh, attached to a big green face. Now, we next see him hovering before a trio of generic-looking, nothing-happening Hickman aliens. And they decide to dig a hole in him to find out what's inside, and so that's exactly what they do. What they find is fire. He has a fire within him, which is something that has been quote-unquote joked about a handful of times in these very pages. So yeah, he's got this power, this fire, this burning inside him, but he's also sort of broken and sort of twisted. Now Vulcan wakes up, and he's home at Summerhouse, so I'm guessing this is sort of a flashbacky dream, or the preceding scene was a flashbacky dream. Now he heads into the kitchen area where he runs into his deadly Genesis teammates, Petra and Sway. And they are... Are you ready for this? They're, they're preparing to get drunk on margaritas. Because we cannot, cannot and will not have a single issue of Dawn of X where uh, we don't have some drinky drink. And they're like really hyper-focused on this. They say the word margaritas about a half dozen times in like three panels. 
it's it's a bit much. They also jokingly refer to Vulcan as Emperor about a half dozen times in the next three to four panels, which I want to say there was a miniseries called Emperor Vulcan probably within the past ten years, and I'm sure I've got it somewhere, but I severely doubt I ever read it. Whatever the case, Vulcan asks them kindly that they please not call him that. Now, we learned that Jean and Cyclops had taken the kids on a day trip, but I suppose they didn't feel like waking up poor Gabriel. And I can relate. I know I would try to sneak out of the house without waking him. Who wants Vulcan around, really? They all swig their drinks, with the girls getting instant brain freeze. But Vulcan is just fine, which... leads to a rather forced joke about how he... You ready? He has a fire burning inside him. Y'all laughing yet? Is this funny? Yeah, okay, anyway. Vulcan decides he's going to go for a walk, and so he does. We get a double-page spread of creds, and then our roll call, and we've already met them. This is Vulcan, Petra, and Sway. Still, we had to dedicate an entire page to it, but that's just the cost of doing business. Now, we rejoin Vulcan, walking across the moon and talking to himself, until he happens across some vegetation. From it springs some veg-type aliens. Maybe they're Kotati? Maybe they're something else altogether? What I can say for certain is that they're uninspired-looking and quite boring. Vulcan seems to know what they're up to. Uh, they're planning to attack the Earth. Now, he recommends to them that, uh, should that actually be their plan, that they do their best not to, cr- to hit Krakoa. He then goes on to wax about uh, how violence only leads to more, while attempting to reason with them uh, that he totally gets why they'd want to attack the Earth. Back at Summer House, Petra and Sway keep drinking. And I'm so glad they devoted an entire page to this. Uh, It is worth noting that they see a mushroom cloud on the horizon, which we'll be getting to right now. Because we're back with Vulcan, and he's being tackled by those veg types. One presents this like weird blob of proto-something or another in front of Vulcan's face. And it's a plant thing that, quote, takes seed and burrows deep into whatever they want it to. And with it, they can uncover secrets. So this thing goes from, like, a blob to, like, a tentacle monster and starts embedding the tentacle ends into Vulcan's face. It's pretty disgusting. It's pretty gruesome. And so we flash back to that scene from the beginning of the issue. We learn that the trio of personality-less Hickman aliens had found a fatal flaw in Vulcan and decided to hide it under a layer of goodness, all the while saying things like crack in the firmament because that sounds like something smart people would say in regular conversation. Back to the now, Vulcan explodes. He causes an explosion, resulting in a mushroom cloud. The veg types are totally freaking out at this point, to which Vulcan seems to understand, and I guess so do we, because after all, these veg types are all about to die. Stands to reason they'd be a little bit jumpy. Vulcan proceeds to pound them all, and is soon joined by Petra and Sway, who ask him if he's about done here. They tell him everything's going to be okay, and they take him home. Vulcan laments the fact that he has the power to crack the moon in two if he wanted to. He just wishes he didn't. Didn't have the powers, didn't want to, maybe both. Petra and Sway take Vulcan back to Summerhouse, where we get to read a note that was left to him by his brother Scott. In it, Scott says that he, Gene, and Wolverine had taken the kids, Cable and Rachel, to Chandelure. And I swear, this must be like the third such vacation since the issue of New Mutants where Cyclops got Gladiator's approval to put a gateway on Chandelure. It's like they're always there. Enough. Uh, Scott basically tells Gabe that no matter what happens, 
he'll always be there for him. We ramp up the issue with an epilogue. Some of the plant types report to a plant type general, and there was apparently one survivor of Gabriel's attack. Well, a brief survivor. He's, he's dead now. They tell the general that the once survivor kept repeating a single word, and that word was Krakoa. So I guess that is how we're going to stretch this into a two-parter. That's where we leave it. Next episode, we're going giant size. It's giant size X-Men Phantom X, number one. But before we do all that, how about we talk about what it is that just happened to us with X-Men number 10. I can't say I enjoyed it. Uh, though, I'll give it one thing. It felt a lot less exploitative than the, uh, the four-part Empire colon X-Men cash-in. Uh, this issue treated Empire ju- as just something that was happening in the other books, just barely on the fringes of X-Men concerns. And so we dealt with it using a character who was arguably on the fringes of the X-Men themselves. Fair enough, right? Can't really hold that against it. The problem is, it's just not all that interesting. At least not to me. Though, you all know me by now, if it's a story set in space with a whole bunch of space trappings and a whole bunch of generic nothing-happening aliens, it's going to be an uphill climb for me, even in the best of times. And that is not a fault of the issue, nor of the creative team. Though... Let me just ask, can we please, please just start telling X-Men stories again? Not everything needs to be, you know, high-concept space. Because, I mean, just like anything else, if everything is high-concept, then, then what really is? It's just, it's a, it's a bit much. Give me, give me Jubilee and Professor X rollerblading. You know, give, give me Rogue, Betsy, Psylocke, whichever Psylocke you want, Storm, Dazzler... Send them to the mall to, to, to do some shopping or just to hang out and blow off some steam. Hell, give me Sentinels and Mojo, and I never thought I'd ask for any of that. Just give me something that feels like X-Men. Not something where the X-Men are can be replaced by any hero, because this didn't feel like an X-Men story. And really, outside of the, uh, you know, the costumes the characters were wearing, it's, it really wasn't. Vulcan as a character never really moved my needle. Um, I appreciated the fact that he was the big gotcha of the decade-plus-long Third Summers Brother lingering subplot. I mean, I'm glad they did it. I don't know if I really appreciated the way they did it, but I'm, I was I was happy that it actually was it was off the docket. You know, we were it was something that we talked about online all the time, so it was just nice to have it off the table. It's like, okay, here's your answer. We don't need to worry about this anymore. That said, it looks like we're going to be getting an all-new wrinkle <laughs> to that story in the next few months with uh, that X-Men Legends, I think it is, X-Men Legends series that's coming out. Because uh, apparently, we definitely need to make this even more confusing than it already is. Now, as much as I appreciate that Vulcan is part of X-Men's lore, as a character, he's dull. Um, his teammates, Petra and Sway, are the very definition of generic and part of me assumes that they were never meant to be brought back. They were just there as cannon fodder, and they just died. I mean, just look at them. Could you pick either of them out of a lineup? I mean, if I were to tell you that that was Monet and Husk, you'd believe it, because it's like, okay, yeah, sure, I could see that. They're really just nothing-happening characters. Again, that's not a fault of this issue. I, I, I do feel like it's doing its best to make these characters relatable, 
unfortunately relatable as it pertains to Dawn of X equals yay drinking. I don't need to dwell on that, do I? I mean, it's tired and it's played out. And that goes for the scenes themselves and my dwelling on them. All I ask is, can we please get a break from this sort of maturity, please? Another thing that I probably dwell on too much is just enough with the generic interchangeable aliens, okay? I can't be the only one tired. Maybe I am the only one tired of this. I don't know. Is there anybody else out there tired of seeing this? I guess that's just the problem we're going to have from this point on, since all of our best villains are now good guys. And, uh... Not to go too deep into the weeds, it's not like anyone's going to actually come up with any new characters. So, uh, I guess generic do-nothing aliens is just about all we're left with. Well, them and, you know, white dudes in suits. We gotta have those as well. Overall, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, not much more to say about this one. It felt, uh, very fillery, which, unfortunately, is par for the course for an issue of X-Men Volume 5 for the most part. There have been some really, really wonderful issues of this series, uh, issues 1, 6, and 7 that I can think of off the top of my head. The rest are just kind of there, and the last three, including this one, I mean, I'm this isn't fun. This isn't fun stuff. I'm hoping that maybe we're, like, maybe we're in a bit of a lame duck period just to get us to Exitens, right? Maybe these are stories or just... Months worth of books that they had to burn off Just to get us to where they want to get us to um, And I'm sure that the COVID hiatus Hasn't helped with pacing either So hopefully Hopefully things will be picking up soon We just gotta keep our eyes on the prize And get to X of Tens Because The filler here is uh, It's hard to get through Um and I mean, it, it makes me want to stop doing every single issue, which goes against the entire mandate of this show that I've, you know, put upon myself. But it's like, what can you say about this? What can you say about this issue? I mean, this isn't a long episode, but I still devoted probably three or four hours of the day to it. And I'm almost doubtful that it took four hours to write. Um, so... We'll keep our eyes on the prize. We will keep pushing forward, and we will hope for the best. Um, and I worry that uh, you know some of the stuff I'm saying here might like invalidate my opinion on things for some of you forevermore. And uh, if that's the case, you know I I get it. I get it. I and uh, I'm sorry. You know uh, this just isn't for me. And uh, usually the clapback I get anytime I dare say anything uh, bad about something that Hickman writes is, uh, "Hey, it's Hickman." You know, that's that's the clapback I get. It's like, well, you have to get it, or you either get it or you don't. Which is, I don't know, maybe a little dismissive of any kind of differing opinions. Um, and I do remember being on a different side of that um, fence back in the uh, Morrison days, because uh, people who didn't like the Morrison books were told, hey, it's Morrison, you either get it or you don't. And uh, if you don't like it, you must not get it. Which is dismissive, but I liked the, the Morrison stuff, so I really didn't pay much mind to it. The Hickman stuff, I'm, I, I wanted to say that I'm liking it more than I'm not, but it's, it's getting dangerously close to 50-50 here. I loved Hoxpox. I loved a few issues of this run. I really, really liked his New Mutants, but uh, some of this stuff, it's uh, all filler, no killer. Um, but again, here's hoping that that's just... 
we're just filling pages so we can get to exitems because uh, I think that's where all of our eggs are currently residing. But um, I think that's all I got to say about X-Men number 10. Let's get into the mailbag. It's a short one, just a few missives. And uh, the first was a message from uh, our friend Mark, Green Lantern HG, who was surprised that we didn't get any mail a couple of episodes back and uh, suggested that you know, it is the time of year where people are a little bit more busy and uh, may not have the time to write in so much. And he's he's probably 100% correct. I uh, I agreed with him when he mentioned this to me. And uh, I continue to agree with him. I believe that that's probably a big part of the deal here is just not having the time to devote to, you know, a show that's, for the most part, every single day, right? It's hard to keep up with things, and it's even harder to uh, be active and engaging. So... I totally get that. But uh, thank you so much for uh, checking in. Um, Next, we have um, an answer to a question I had from Evan. This is regarding Fantastic Four X-Men, or X-Men plus Fantastic Four, whatever we called it back in the day. He says, from the you probably already found this out department, Franklin and Val got older while they and their parents were MIA post-Secret Wars. And Franklin dyed his hair early in the new FF run as an act of rebellion. Didn't know that. I did not know that yet. And uh, I almost forgot all about the question that I'd asked. So thank you for uh, filling us in on that. I, I had a follow-up question for Evan asking if if Franklin and Val were, uh, like, rapidly aged, you know? Or were we just supposed to assume that, you know, they were away for that many years? To which Evan replied with, They were out rebuilding the multiverse. That's what I took the part about Franklin creating universes as a reference to, although it certainly applies to Heroes Reborn as well. So they were gone for years to them, but less time on the 616. So it was one of those, you know, Ilyana in Limbo deals, I think, where time compression was different. Uh, They went younger, came back older, and really not much time in our universe or the real Marvel universe had passed. So thank you so much for filling us in on that and filling in anyone who may not be following along with the Fantastic Four run, such as me, because I'm not. But thank you. And finally, we have a comment from Grant Kitchen over on the blog. And he asks, Is it a coincidence that episode 87 features Cable, who first appeared in the 87th issue of New Mutants? And no, no, I mean, uh, yes, <laughs> that's a coincidence. I did not plan that. That's a... Uh, very interesting. I didn't even realize that while I was uh, putting it together. And that also reminded me that the episode before that, episode 86, was X-Factor number one. And X-Factor number one, the first one, came out in 1986. So 86-86. It's uh, a lot of uh, serendipitous stuff here. So that's uh, pretty, pretty funny stuff. So thank you for pointing that out and uh, bringing it to my attention. Because, uh, hey, it's interesting, right? But that's all we got in the mailbag. I told you it was a short one. But uh, if anybody would like to write in, I'm pretty easy to find. You can get me on Twitter at Ace Comics or weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com. You can find blog posts and show notes over at chrisisoninfiniteearths.com. There's also xlapsed.chrisisoninfiniteearths.com. You could talk with us about all sorts of stuff at 90s X-Men on Facebook. And you can listen to the entire audio archives at chrisandreggie.podbean.com. And, uh, yeah, that's where we'll put a pin in it today. Um, Once again, apologies for the negativity here. It's not that these issues are bad. It's just that they're nothing happening Um, and totally outside my wheelhouse. Not a fault of the book, not a fault of the creators. Just uh, something that doesn't jive with me, unfortunately. Uh, Those of you listening in real time will know that this is a Friday episode, which means that, uh, thankfully, 
I get two days off from uh, doing Dawn of X books because I think I might need it. <laughs> this has been a spectacularly rough week of uh, of Empire uh, shenanigans here. So it'll be nice to get a breath and to dig back into our uh, Phoenix Resurrects Lapsed uh, book to uh, cover on the Sunday special. But I want to thank everyone for sticking it out, especially in these busier times uh, of the year here. I really, really appreciate it. So one more giant thank you for sharing your time with me, and uh, as always, I will uh, talk to you again real soon. See ya.